Welcome to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I'm your host, Christy Love. I believe in taking massive action to overcome life's biggest challenges because I know the rewards that lie on the other side. This show is a weekly dose of inspiration and motivation to help you level up in your life. Here's to a new you where your dedication, commitment, and staying true to yourself will make your wildest dreams come alive. I'm a transformational trainer, speaker, firm mama, and proud wife to a distinguished Navy SEAL. We believe in the motto, never give up, never quit, while doing it all with love. I'll share real talks with experts and thought leaders who offer proven strategies to turn your barriers into success in this unfiltered, transformational, and thought-provoking podcast. Let's do this. In this episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast, we meet Tony Walling. Tony is not only a great and close friend of mine, but over the years, we have challenged each other in different areas of growth. If you don't know Tony, he's a business mentor, speaker, best-selling author, and podcast host. He is best known as the co-founder of LS1 Tech, an online automotive community which grew into the largest of its kind with over 300,000 registered members, which he sold for millions in only five years after starting. Amazingly, it was just his part-time business. In 2015, Tony decided to focus on building businesses full-time and left behind a multiple six-figure salary where he led a successful corporate career with over 27 years experience to do what he loves best. But life wasn't always an uphill climb of success for Tony, and he's here to tell us all about it. So let's welcome Tony Watley to the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. Hi, Tony. Hey, Christy. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm so proud of what you've accomplished in the last year and writing out some book and getting this show launched and just helping so many clients become better speakers and more confident. So thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you for supporting me through all these years. You know, it was a journey, but and you're, we're still growing, but you know, it takes a community of great people. And that's one person that you are to me as someone who's always 100% has always supported me. So I thank you so much uh, for just being my friend and also being a guest on my show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All good things. And we're always growing. We never out, we never stop growing. Absolutely. It's continuous growth for sure. Well, Tony, let's start by sharing your story. Now you're very successful. You've done, you're doing great big things. You're a huge influencer, but life wasn't always so easy for you, right? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I grew up, I would say lower middle class small town, suburb of Houston, Friendswood, Texas. Back then, it was about 15,000 population. And for context, my mom is Japanese immigrant. I was actually born in Japan on a military base, and I came over. My dad was a Vietnam vet. And you know, I grew up in a small town America that didn't have a fondness for Japanese. Because you think about it, when I was a kid, all the authority roles, the, the police, the teachers, they were all the World War II era people who just really didn't like Japanese people. And so I got to experience racism in a small mm-hmm. town and, and all these kind of things. And, you know, it's I know it's a topic that people you know really highlight nowadays, but it's always been around. 
you know, and, and, and just because I don't have a dark skin color doesn't mean that I hadn't been beat up because of who my mom was or who I was. Right. right. And so, you know, growing up with grade school bullies and things like that and, and authority roles that kind of just wanted to pee on your dreams, I had to figure things out for myself. And luckily, my parents were very hardworking people and they helped my sister and I, you know, with a good education by moving to that town. It was a good school system. But we just learned the value of hard work. The houses I grew up in, three of those all the way through school were basically what we call flip homes nowadays. But I didn't understand that. We just basically would buy the crappiest house in the cheapest neighborhood, live in the house while we're painting it, doing the carpet, restoring it. And eventually it would be one of the nicer houses on the street. And we did that three times while I was growing up. And I just thought that was normal, right? And the first car that I owned was a, a 1969 Camaro. And that sounds really cool, but it was a $1,200 piece of crap that I bought mowing yards and working at McDonald's in high school and doing all kinds of odd jobs, raking leaves, knocking doors, just selling things, flipping stuff. And you know, my dad and I had to build that car because it wasn't running when we bought it. So we, we spent a whole year building it and restoring it and getting it to where I could actually drive something to high school. So, you know, so I understand looking at the potential and things, whether it's cars or homes or even people, seeing what they're, they're maybe not seeing and understanding I have a big vision for them. And that's who I've always been. Even as a kid, I could see my friends and see what their potential was. And they didn't always see it for themselves, but I think that's a gift that I've been given. And I just started to really be more embracing of that in recent years with what I do now. I can see that. I think you were, you were actually the first person that really motivated me to start doing what I do with the coaching and speaking. I've been speaking for 18 years, but no one ever came to me and said, Christy, hey, you can take this so much farther and help so many people. And so I truly thank you for that. Now, I want to go back to your childhood years. You said your mom was a Japanese immigrant and your father was a military vet. Now, I can only imagine the ridicule and the bullying that you experienced during that time. But during that time, did you have the Tony mindset that you have today that, hey, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to get better. I'm going to still do big things in my life. Or did that incident keep you introverted and keep you shy and keep you stuck inside? I've always been confident and I've always been the, the leader of my friend groups, even as a kid. But what I didn't do is stick my head out and try to stand out among the masses, right? Because whenever you stick your head above the masses, sometimes it gets chopped off because there's safety in numbers. And if you're not rocking the boat, you're not going to create any waves. So I just learned to blend in really well and, and become likable. But I always felt that I could be a leader because my dad was a great example of a leader. I mean, he was a sergeant in the military. And even in his career work in the chemical refineries, he was always in leadership type roles where he was the foreman, general foreman, supervisor. He just kind of worked his way up to where he was a plant manager in his later part of his career. So I got a good example of leadership and he had that military discipline. And I know you're very familiar with that. But I always knew that I could be a leader and that I wanted to be a leader, but also felt like the school systems and the companies, the early companies I worked for didn't really present that as an opportunity because you and I both know small town America, if your name is not some legacy last name, like your dad was a badass quarterback on the team you know, 20 years before you, or your, your name's not on a main street business in the town, like the, the kids 
they say that we learn leadership in school, but I think that's a bunch of BS because most of the leader kids that I recognize, even looking back, they were cherry picked from people based on legacy. Maybe they had an older brother that was a star athlete. Maybe their sister was homecoming queen, right? It was always like this legacy thing and the teachers played favorites. And I always felt like I was getting left out in those kind of opportunities. And I know it sounds kind of like sour grapes now, but it really was. I felt like I didn't ever get those opportunities because of who I was or who I was not. Well, I completely understand what you're talking about. For me, I moved a lot of time. My family moved from different cities to city to city. I went to four different junior high schools. So I was never able to really establish, you know, that, that group that you're talking about and become a leader. I didn't have time to do all of that. But one thing that resembles your story for me, it resonates with me, is that I stood out because I didn't look like everyone else. You know, I go to uh, my parents, try to do the best they could and send me to a predominantly white school. Okay. And I'm more darker skinned. And sometimes, you know, times weren't all that great. And so I'd have, we'd have to start at the bottom and move our way up or work our way up. And my parents did. And in those areas, I was a little lighter. So I never really fit, fit in. And I always stood out because of that. And for me, I know that made me tougher. Mm-hmm. And it made me more resilient. It made me stronger. And I think that definitely carries over to my life today and how I treat things and how I approach things that don't allow things to stop me or stand in my way. I kind of plow through things and just become more just tougher and stronger. A lot of people don't have that ability. Now, what would you say to someone or one of our listeners who may be going through that? You know, life is is hard. They're going through challenges. You know, things are coming at them. People don't like them. They don't, they don't fit in. What would you say to someone like that? I think that society is conditioned to people to believe in everything should be fair. And you and I grew up in an era where we understood that fair was just nonsense and that you could say things should be fair, but that's not reality. That's not life. That's not even how it is in, in the animal kingdom. There's no fair in life, right? There's food chain, right? You want to be at the top of the food chain. That's why I won't go swimming with sharks because I realize, like I'm on a lower part of the food chain by getting in this water because there's sharks right here. Like this is a dumb idea, right? But you have to understand that when you realize that fair is just a ideal narrative that really doesn't describe actual life, you realize, okay, well, okay, I need to go do things to create more leverage or more opportunity for myself. You know, and I realized even as a kid that my parents were going to give us money. I didn't have allowance, right? They're, they they told me to go get a job at age 15 when I was first ability to go work at McDonald's, right? And, you know, they, they said, hey, if you want to go buy a video game or a skateboard, like go push the lawnmower around the neighborhood and knock on doors, but go buy the gas too, because we're not going to give you any money. So, that's just what I did. And you know what? The thing is, I never complained about that. I just wow. realized that that's how I needed to go be. And I remember even as a kid, mowing somebody's yard three streets away from me, and I'd see my friends ride by on their bicycles and they would be laughing at me. Like, why are you mowing this yard? You live way over there. Like, they didn't even understand like what I was doing. And, and I was making $10. So that's what I've always done. And I've never been someone to complain about my situation. I always think about... What do I want to have, whether that's a material possession or a role or a job title or whatever? What do I, what do I want and how do I get there? And then I start to outline the steps of how do I get there? And then I ask myself, am I willing to do what it takes to get there? And if the answer is yes, then I just go all in. I just go do those things and I don't complain about it. And 
And it's weird when you hear stories about your younger childhood or your early adult years from people that have known you a long time and they observe that kind of behavior from you. And you're not aware of that thing. Like I didn't have that awareness. I was like that until probably in my late thirties. That's crazy, right? I remember going to my high school reunion. I think it was the 20th reunion. And I was talking to somebody and go, Hey, I remember in, in football when we played together, like you would ride your bicycle to two a days, you know, and you live like six miles from the, the, the school. So I would put on my pads and my clothes and I would ride my bicycle to practice in the morning and I would ride back for lunch. And then I would ride back in the afternoon session and I'd ride back in the evening. And they used to pass by me, like, you know, their mom's driving them in the air conditioned, sipping on their Gatorade. And they always see that I was riding my bicycle. And I thought, man, like, that's got to be rough. And I said, well, that's the only way I could do it because my dad wasn't going to take me to practice. He's like, he's busy. My mom was working. So if I wanted to play, I had to go ride my bicycle. And I never complained about it. It's just what I had to go do. But the thing is, like, people observe that and they realize, like, man, you just never quit. You just, you just showed up every time. It's like, that's, that's who I am. Like, what does complaining do? It doesn't get me where I want to get. That's so true. That's so true. Now, I like your, your story when you're talking about how your mom was Japanese and your, and your father is American. My nephews are half Filipino and African-American. And I absolutely want them to listen to this podcast episode because I know that they're going to have a lot of challenges because of that growing up. And they're going to need that resilience and dedication that you have that's allow you to be successful for sure. You know, that's, it's like, mm-hmm. like, like you talk about fitting in, right? Mm-hmm. We had Asian kids in my school. I didn't really fit in with the Asian kids or the white kids because I was a mix. I'm a biracial. My wife is half Puerto Rican, half white. She experienced the same thing in a completely different school system. It biracial kids, it's a little easier to accept nowadays, but when I was younger, that was it was we were unusual. Right. You know, and and the Asians kind of thought we were like mutts and, and the white people were a little bit more accommodating than the Asian kids. Right. You know? So Yes, I remember those days and I don't experience it that much now. Yeah. But yeah, when I was growing up it was tough. It was yeah. tough. School's brutal sometimes, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, your dad sounds like he really helped you. He really guided you and you had some great moments with him building your car and also just seeing him as a leader. Now, how did that help you to really instill those values within yourself? What were you looking at? What were you looking at when, he, when you watched him as he helped you, as you had those talks, as you had those you know, private moments with just you and him? And how did that carry over to today? Yeah, I would say definitely my parents had strong influences. They're very disciplinarian. My mom valued education more than anything. Being a Japanese woman in her era, they got plucked out of the school system around junior high to go work in the farms. So she never got to finish high school, even though she enjoyed school. And she always envied the boys for being able to go finish high school. And so to give you an idea of discipline, I never missed a single day of school from kindergarten through graduation. I had perfect attendance Wow, thir- 13 years. That's amazing. And I, and I didn't complain about that. I actually started probably about six, seven years into it when I started realizing what that was. I actually had a little bit of pride that I was one of the only kids with perfect attendance, you know, and, and you know me very well now. I'm very disciplined still. And I show up and I, I make sure I'm consistent. I think that came from that. I have pride in being a consistent person 
who always shows up every day. I, I, that's part of my identity. And I, I love that because I understand how hard that is for people. And most people can never attain that, but I can, right? So it's a good personal goal to, to achieve. Now, my dad was all the other forms of discipline, the, the military discipline, the getting up early, the yes, sir, no, you know, no man, you know, showing up on time. And if you're showing up on time, you're late and things like that. So being polite, being respectful, manners, like that's all the dad and leadership things. But I'll tell you that as much as I learned from the leadership observing him, I also learned a lot of things that I didn't want to be when I grew up because my dad had a short temper. Mm. And, and, and I remember my dad would come home from work almost nightly and he'd just be in one of those foul moods. And this is really good. If your listeners are in that kind of situation when they get home from work and they don't want to deal with the kids or hear about anything. And I need time to unwind before you, I mean, that was, that's the household I kind of grew up in. You just kind of avoided dad until he had his shower and got to the dinner table. Then, then maybe you can have a good conversation with him. But until then you gotta, you gotta let dad decompress. Like I, I took those mental notes and I used to see him road raging and screaming at the windshield and like, you know, saying all these obscenities at people because you know, they're driving like idiots and guys, Idiots exist no matter where we are, any time of the day or any era. They're, they're, they're just everywhere, right? But right. getting angry and letting your emotions get away from you is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of weakness. Because if you're not in emotional control of yourself, that's actually a lower level of, of awareness. That's, that's, that's reacting rather than controlling your, your outbursts. And so I used to be a kid and you know, when that, when I'm the only son and you're watching your dad and, and he, he comes home from work and he's angry or he's, he's ranting or, you know, he's in between jobs and like you know, all hell's breaking loose. And, you know, I just remember thinking like, is this what it takes to be a man? You know, when that's your father figure, you ask yourself, is this what it takes to be a man? I got to come home and like be angry at my family and like, you know, decompress. And I got to shout obscenities at the windshield and, and get angry and like lose my temper. And, and I was like, no. I don't want to be like that. I had the awareness even the back then. It's like, I, I will never be like that. And I think that part of the reason I'm very chill and very calm and emotional in control is one, I, martial arts as a kid that helped tremendously. If you got a kid that's got emotional or anger issues, put them in martial arts. They're going to learn how to control those emotions and have more discipline. I took judo when I was a kid and I just learned to just look at things and, and go, Hey, how, how should I react to get a better response or to get where I want to go? And, you know, I may feel anger. We feel all those emotions, but do I need to show that? Mm. You know, is, is, is it really going to help here? Is this going to escalate the situation or actually improve this situation? Right? So I've always been calm under pressure. And that actually led to me being very successful in my corporate career where I was managing hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of people and international and time zones and crazy things and government you know, regulations and all kinds of stuff flying at me. But I handled it really well because I could remove emotion from the decisions. Even if I felt them, I could, I could remove it from the decisions and actually make the right choices and be more focused on what's, what matters and things I can control. Wow. Now, I've always been drawn to martial arts and boxing since I was, boy, a baby before I started walking. So I've been doing that, too. But I didn't know that that skill allowed me to really focus on strengthening my mind. And that is a skill that definitely takes us and carries us over to our lives. So that is absolutely great. Now, now, as a business professional, how do you take that over and carry that over to your clients? 
Do you work on mindset and, and strength and emotional control and all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're in one of our mastermind groups and you see mm-hmm. evidence of that. We, we handle a lot of conversations that are on a personal level. And what mm-hmm. I find is business owners are generally stressed out for no reason. I think that I think that when we come from a culturally acceptable place that people think that being busy or being stressed out is the norm, right? It's almost like a a badge of honor sometimes as sick as that sounds like, hey, I'm so busy and man, I'm just crushing it. Man, stress is really high and I'm putting in all these hours of OT and like it's like all these humble brags that really are not not really ideal. Like who who really wants to work more hours? Who really wants to have higher stress? Who, I don't. <laughs> it, yeah. And it, it's, it's like this bragging rights thing that I even I learned back when I was working in construction, like people would brag about how much OT they were crushing, you know, because they got a bigger truck or fancier motorcycle or a boat because they're working all this overtime. Like I'm just a badass, And I'm thinking like, I'd rather earn more money and work less hours. I, I think that's the norm. If you were to ask, genuinely ask people, hey, would you rather work more hours or less? Would you rather earn more money or less? Like you're going to have the same answer from everybody. Like nobody wants to work more and earn less. They want to work less and earn more, but they won't admit that. Right. And they come to you like, oh, I'm so stressed out. It's like, well, let's talk about that. What's, what are you stressed out about? Oh, this guy's saying this thing. And oh, this is going on over here. And you know, the news. And you know, they're, they're just all these things that are external to them. They have zero control over these things, but they're allowing those things to affect them on a negative level, right? We watch the news. It's all intended to like set you off and make you angry and, you know, you ruins your day like that, but you have no control over that. Right. So if you really want to get away from being stressful, you need to start carving away access to your mind of things that you have zero control over. Like mm. people, people that road rage, you know, like this is a good exercise that just practice. If that's one of the bad things you have, you have a temper, Somebody cuts you off and you're, you, you want to go get on the horn and start flicking the bird and doing crazy things to your windshield. Ask yourself in that moment of awareness, like, is this going to change what already occurred? Like the person cut me off probably because they're on their phone or jacking around or not paying attention. Like what is honking and screaming and all that really going to change? Like it's already happened. Like what, what are you going to solve here? Like, are you going to teach them a lesson and maybe they won't do it next time? Like, no, they, they're oblivious people. Like, you're not going to change their behaviors, right? That's, you're probably the thousandth person they've cut off in their life and they just don't even realize it and they're not going to change. So rather than you internalizing that anger and getting angry and like shouting and horn, it's like, catch yourself. You can feel that, but catch yourself and go, hey, what's the proper reaction here? And is it really going to change the outcome? Because if I can just go, well, you know what? I'm just going to let it go because damage is done. I'm not here to be the enforcer. Why am I going to let this dude that doesn't even know I exist? Cause he obviously didn't see me in his mirror. Why am I going to let that dude ruin my day? You know, it's like you get to control like your emotional reaction to everything. You can feel angry, but does it help? Right. I think that's one thing that I've been working on for the last couple of years is really disconnecting myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to act crazy and stupid and, and have emotional breakdowns, that has nothing to do with me. And I have to separate myself from that situation. That is them. Their craziness has no effect on me. And what that does is allow me to continue to stay focused on what I need to do to elevate my success or business or life or health, whatever it is I'm working on at that time. 
That's so very important. And I hope listeners are listening to that because that's one skill that you absolutely need to have because as business owners, there's going to be ups and downs. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional roller coaster, and you have to be able to move that away and keep moving forward. So that's so important. And that's one thing. There's a couple of things that I noticed from you from the, when I first met you, Tony. One, you do always show up. And number two, you always give your best. And I love the fact that I have never seen you stressed out or acting crazy or yelling at anybody or anything like that. You're always a calm, cool, collected dude and just handle your business. Mm-hmm. Now on the topic of business, what else do you help these entrepreneurs do? I think the main reason that people work with me, especially on a one-on-one basis, yeah. is because Business owners don't have somebody to have as a sounding board or have someone to have deep conversations with because as executives or business owners, they don't really have these private conversations with their best friends or their wives even or their, or their husbands. Because when you have these hard conversations, whether that's about your fitness or your business or you know, troublemaker employees that are causing issues or, or client deals going bad or things like that, when you tell that to somebody that's like your best friend or your, or your spouse, generally you're not going to get the best answer from them because they value the relationship more than the truth, right? They may, they may butter things up a little. They may throw some sugar on it and try to serve it to you because they don't want to jeopardize a relationship that they have with you, right? So when you look for a business coach or someone that's mentoring you, you try to have somebody that's not your best friend. You can be friendly. You can be friends, but they can't be like the one that's going to just add the emotional impact to their, their response, right? Because you need them to be truthful. You need them to be like, hey, you're doing really good here, but these are the things you're messing up on. Like, you need to push harder here. Like, quit making excuses. Like, just go. Come on. Like, that's, that's what we gain. And I'll say that from doing this really full time for the last three years now, that about 70% of our conversations with clients are more on a personal level rather than what's going on in their business. And we can definitely talk about systems and processes and scalings and increasing valuation and doing all these things that are heavy on business. But that's not what bothers people most of the time. Most of the time, it's lack of focus, lack of accountability. They're really good in one area of their life, but they're failing miserably in other areas of their life. Maybe their fitness or their relationships or their follow-ups or just there's something that's lacking, right? And those are hard conversations to have with people that you consider like your best friends or your spouse. Right, right. And that takes a true coach is when you're able to find and pinpoint those areas where the person is lacking something or they need a little motivation to uh, kind of build that area up or increase the skill or more accountability in that area, because that's the thing that's going to allow them to overcome and break through the barriers that they're experiencing. It's when they plow, are able to plow through that. So awesome. Awesome. So you are doing great things. You have a podcast as well. How long have you had your podcast and how's that going? Well, in about four more days, it'll hit the three-year mark. And we're, we're just over, I think, 214 episodes in. So yeah, it's been growing really well. It's just episode a week, minimum, sometimes two a week. Awesome. That is great. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and those are absolutely 
Amazing. Very motivating as well. Helps me to keep moving because sometimes I need a little inspiration as well and motivation to push me along it's in my in different areas that I'm working on too. Well, before we go, I want to I want you to leave our listeners with three things, three things that's going to help them become more successful or help push them past maybe areas that they may be stuck in business or life. I would say the number one thing that holds most people back is the fear of what other people say or think about them. That's what keeps most people from achieving their dreams or even pursuing their dreams. They like to label that as the fear of failure, but that's nonsense because we all fail. We fail every single day. When you go to the gym and you work out the last set, you probably fail those last few reps and you get over it pretty quickly and you still show up to the gym the next day and you keep doing it. You may eat a wrong meal for the day. That's a fail, but you probably get over that pretty quickly and you, and you go just regroup and you do things tomorrow. So we're really not afraid of failure because we are so conditioned to fail on a normal day. So what we're really afraid of is that people are going to judge or see us fail. You know, it's kind of like when we, we talk about like you're walking along on a sidewalk and you, you stub your toe and you kind of stumble. The first thing that people do is look around to see if anybody saw them do that versus just shrugging it off and walking. Right. So worried about what other people think. And it's crazy when you start to understand that your dreams and what you really want to do and putting yourself out there, getting on a stage or writing a book, starting a podcast or any of these kind of things, or even asking for that promotion or asking someone out on a date, the rejection, you're so worried about what someone's going to think about you. And that's the number one thing that holds people back. It's what held me back until I was in an accident. But I, I, I knew that was what was holding me back. I admitted it. Most people would admit that. But what are you going to do about it? So the sooner you start to realize that other people's opinions don't matter and that no matter what you do, you're going to have critics. I always tell people this because a lot of people get on social media. They're worried about having you know, naysayers and haters. And, and you know, as well as I do in the group I teach is like, hey, you're going to have those. And in fact, if you don't have those, it means you're not what doing. Those? Yeah, yeah, you're 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 not doing anything worth noticing. And people hate to hear that, but that's that's the raw truth. Like, if you're finally doing something worth noticing, you will guarantee to have naysayers, critics, haters, whatever you want to call them. It's inevitable. It's part of the game. But here's where most people mess up: is they they give way too much attention to those negative people instead of focusing on the ninety five percent of the people that do support them. So you'll have probably always. 5% of these people that are negative or closet you know, frenemies and things like that, or people that talk bad about you behind your back, you're always going to have that no matter how good you are or how you try to please people or how many good things you're doing. Like you're always going to have that, but you can't give those people a lot of attention because you got to serve the 95% of the people that are there for the right reasons and give them your love and attention and encouragement and focus. And you know, so I see a lot of people just kind of just, really turn off their dreams because that 5% segment like said they shouldn't do that or you don't need to do that or who are you or uh, look at this person doing this. Like, oh my God, like those people are going to keep you from pursuing your dreams, whether that's in your career or starting a business or doing anything outside of your norm. Even if you decide, hey, I'm going to go on a weight loss journey because you started to do the fitness journey as well in the last year and you did some amazing results. But I guarantee when you first got started, you probably had some people going, wow, look at her. She's... She's just, she's just all talk. She's not going to do anything about that. We'll see. We'll see. The main thing I had was, oh, I think you should stop. Oh, you should stop. Oh, you know, you should stop. Oh, you've lost enough weight. Oh, you, you know, you, oh, you, you look good. You look good. Yeah. you look good as you are. You don't need to do this anymore. 
Look at you. Yeah, I, but I had a goal. I had a set number, which I weighed myself this morning. I, I have still reached that number. Yeah. Still there. But yeah, people, a lot of people tried to stop. Don't lose any more weight. Well, the thing is, Christy, they want you to hang out in the same box that they think that you belong in. Mm. See, like your friend groups tend to be like in the same box, if we're going to say this philosoph- you know, philosophically. And when they see you improving, what you're really doing is you're building a ladder over there in the corner and you're trying to climb out of that box. And then you start to get the ladder assembled and you start halfway up the ladder and like, oh, wow, she's actually making some moves. And we're seeing this happen. And right in front of us, like that makes them really uncomfortable because they've also had the pieces of wood and the things that they could build their own ladder, but they didn't do it. Right. They see you, they see you doing it. Now you're climbing out of the box. Now they're afraid of you leaving the box. So they're going to say things like, oh, you should just give up. And like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? That seems like really risky. And they say things to try to make you come back down off that ladder to hang out with them because everybody realizes they could do more, but mm. they don't want to, because that takes work. That takes dedication. That takes drive. It takes consistency. They're complacent. They, they want you to hang out in that box with them. And they know that if you climb up to the next level, you're not going to hang out with you anymore. Or you're going to go, you're going to outgrow them. They're, they're all worried about these things. So they're subconscious. They're not saying things to sabotage you consciously. Their subconscious is saying things like that to suggest like, you need to slow down or, you know, uh, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense. Like, is this really what you want to do? Like, those are all subconscious things of like, Hey, we need to, we need you to stay exactly where you are and quit growing. I'm happy to know that I have left the box. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, you've jumped out of the box and climbed jumped, to the next box. Yes, absolutely. The so, higher so yeah. box. Yes. So, that, that, so that's number one. Like oh. you gotta, you gotta quit worrying about what other people think or say, because they're going to say things about you no matter what. Mm. I mean, think about everybody in history that has changed this world. Everybody, every big name you can think of that it's in your head right now, you know, Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, like all these big names who have impacted the world, they had haters. They had critics. And it's true. They had murderers. Mm. And they were trying to do things positive and change the world. But the, so what makes you as a listener think that you're the special one that's going to make everyone in the world like you? It's, it's, it's literally impossible. So go serve the people that do like you. Go discover more people that will like you. And quit wasting time with people that are holding you back. That, that's, that's number one. You got to get through that. The sooner you can figure that out, the better your life will be. You'll be much happier. And you won't empower people to bring you down anymore. Like when someone that I don't really, that, well, I'll, I'll frame it this way. When someone that has not earned my respect, like on a personal level, maybe because I don't know them or whatever, what other reason, if they haven't earned my respect and they talk trash to me, it doesn't bother me. anymore. No. It just doesn't bother me. I'm like, cool, cool story, bro. Right. You know, because I've heard worse things from better people. <laughs> no, that's right. You know, so your your comments don't even matter to me, Mm-mm. right? But it takes a lot of repetition to get to that confidence right. level. Yes. Because when you're just getting started in something and you get that negative comment, you focus on that and you can't even sleep because it's bothered you so bad. And like, you know, Peter seven nine three one talked trash to me on the internet, and, and I don't even know who he is. And it's, it's oh, why did he say that? Like you're you're just so worried about what some joker that's probably twelve year old in his parents' basement is saying to you. That's true. That's true. 
All right. What's our number two tip? I would say that this is especially for the people like in your 30s and older. Mm-hmm. You need to start finding people to hang around with that talk about imagine when versus remember when. And so it's good to have old friends, but a lot of times you fall into the same routine. And for, there was a period of probably 15 years of my adult life where I was just hanging around with people that always talk about remember when, remember when, remember when. Hey, remember back in the day? Remember that? Remember when we did that? Remember this? Remember that? Man, the problem with that mindset is that those people believe they've already peaked in life. Because when all you can talk about is the past, that means you've peaked. So maybe they did something amazing in high school or they were a division one af- athlete in college. And, you know, like they, they're talking about the good old days, like all the time, but they never talk about the future. And the Al Bundy syndrome. Oh yeah. The uncle Rico, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's totally that. And, you know, if you're, if you're a dude in your forties and you're still saying like you're a division one athlete, like, come on, bro. That was 20 years ago. Like, come on, come on. Like, what are you doing now? Like, what has that led to? Where did it take you? How far did you push that? Like, like, what did you learn from that? Did it apply to today? Like, like when you start hanging around people, just always talk about remember when you're not going to go anywhere. Cause they're, they're literally have felt like they've peaked. They've hit some kind of complacency level in their life and they're not going anywhere. They're, they're just complacent. Now you start hanging around people that say, imagine when, imagine when you do this, imagine Christy, when you launch this business and imagine when you achieve your fitness goals, imagine when you start to get the audience and the big stages and the television, imagine what that's going to be like. And now you're kind of excited, like, wow, I, I can imagine, I can see all this. And they're like, damn right. I see it too. I see it too. Why aren't you doing these, these steps to get there now? Let's do this. Come on, let's go. It's like, you got to be around people that encourage you who can see the potential in you that you don't see for yourself. Because I'm, I'm a big dreamer, but I guarantee there's people out there that see a bigger version of me than I see for myself. See what I mean? So you got to be around those people. That's right. Now you're my imagine one friend for sure. <laughs> All right. Number three. I would say for life lessons, understand that you're going to outgrow people along your journey. It kind of goes back to the box talk we had. It kind of goes back to the remember when people, I think it's okay. I think that your friend groups come in cycles where it shrinks momentarily and then you meet better people that are pushing you. And then sometimes you outgrow them too, and you just keep growing. And if you're investing in your knowledge and in your reading books, and I think you should spend way more time reading and listening to books than watching any kind of screen, whether that's social media or, or television. I think if you're spending two hours a day on television, you should be spending equal that or more on learning new things, mm-hmm. you know, joining groups that push you, learning from online courses, reading books, because the thing is, is that we can always learn more. Nobody knows it all. Even in the fun the thing that I realized is as I, surround myself with more high net worth, very successful people, every one of them becomes a bigger student as you grow up in that level because they're always consuming the information. They're always learning. We're always recommending books to each other. We're always pushing each other. Well, hey, you should go check this out. Go learn this thing. And it's because successful people have a genuine curiosity about life. They're never going to be some level that like, oh, I just know everything and I got nothing else to learn. The vast majority of our population in this world has not read a book since school. Think about that. They haven't read a book since school. 
And the people who are successful read a book a week. And that's not an exaggeration. Like I'll finish an audiobook every week because I listen at the gym. I don't listen to music anymore as much as I love music. I listen to audiobooks or I'll listen to podcasts. Because to me, whenever I'm driving a car or I'm at the gym, I put my earbuds in and I'm learning and burning is what I call it because I'm, I'm burning some calories and I'm also learning at the same time. So it's a way to hack a knowledge into fitness at the same time. And that's the kind of things that you got to do is you, if you're going to be a high performer. It's like you got to realize like I need to invest time and do those kind of things versus just hanging around and, and wasting time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, listeners, I hope you're taking notes. This is some valuable, valuable nuggets that Tony's dropping today. And it's important to read. I know in our mastermind group, we're always learning. And I have a whole list of books now in my Amazon book list that I have to read. And I got that from the group, from Tony's list, other people's list. They're always suggesting different books. And he's right. When I'm working out, I'm listening to books. At night, I have about two hours to wind down. I'm reading a book always learn and grow. That's the way you're going to perfect your craft. And so I just want to recap what Tony said. The three tips that he gave you is number one was fear. Okay. Fear is what people would stop people from doing what they need to do. Fear is the cause of failures. We're not, we do not fear. We're going to plow past that. The next is to start finding people to talk about imagine when, instead of remembering when. Okay. And I know Tony is my remember, I mean, imagine when friend for sure. And I have a lot of other people in my circle who empower me to think, think about dreams, think about goals, think about being better than what I'm thinking about for myself at the moment. And last, just understand that you're going to outgrow people throughout your journey and that's okay. And as you grow, you're going to be surrounded by bigger and better people who are going to support you on a higher level. And I hope that those people are growing as well. So they can, they can go with you as you advance in your journey. Now, Tony, before we end, I want to ask you, what is lighting you up these days? I think for me, it's just the impact. I mean, I'm, I'm into year four of the coach and the book has been out three years now. I start to see the results over time, you know, because when you, when you first get started that first year, you may see initial results, but two or three years into doing something consistently and helping clients and seeing some big numbers. I mean, I've got clients that have gone from low seven figure businesses to 60, $70 million businesses in the short time. And it's, it's crazy to see that how the results compound over time. And, you know, when you wake up and you finally do get around to social media and you get an inbox full of messages about things, about changing lives. And, you know, here's a business that I started after reading your book three years ago and look at it now. And it's like, you realize like you really are impacting and changing people's life. And that's, that's what keeps me motivated. It's like, I do this for the other people because I do care and I do want other people to know what I know. And I do teach people the things that I teach, but without any impact, I think that that's the that's the gratitude. That's where the, the, the cup gets filled is the gratitude is the result. Absolutely. So great. Great. And yes, you do care. And I've experienced that myself. Tony's also known as a side hustle millionaire. And that's also the, the title of his book. But Tony, tell our listeners, where can they find you? Easiest way to find me is my website is 365driven.com. So 365driven.com. And you'll find everything that I do on that website. 
Awesome. Well, Tony, it was a pleasure to have you on the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. I hope I can have you on here again in the future as you continue to grow and do these big, huge things around the world because he's going international next. All right, Chrissy. Well, thank you. And it's been an honor. And I love watching your journey. It's been amazing itself. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Be Seen, Be Loved podcast. For more inspiring conversations, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or feedback, you can reach me directly at beseenbelovedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.